Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Sex Magic Podcast. Today, I am so overjoyed, excited, ecstatic for this conversation. I am joined by Francesca Leah Block, who is the best-selling author of more than 25 books of stories, nonfiction, and fiction, including the Wheatsy Bat books, her series of magical realism novels. She has received the Spectrum Award, the Phoenix Award, the ALA Rainbow Award, and the 2005 Margaret A. Edwards Lifetime Achievement Award, as well as other citations from the American Library Association, the New York Times Book Review, and Publishers Weekly. I am so excited to have you here, Francesca. This is just very, I don't know, it's very fitting to have someone who is uh, within the Los Angeles magical community who is such a pioneer in creative writing. And I'm just really honored to have you in this conversation. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm so honored to be here. So, I mean, the bio I shared is, is quite formal. I would love it if maybe you'd like to introduce yourself um, in a more personal way for our guests who maybe have read your books or maybe don't know who you are. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm Francesca, and I've written a lot of books, and I hope to <laughs> write a lot more <laughs> before I leave. And, Me too. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Uh, and and I think more will be revealed as, as we talk. So Amazing. Uh, so something that I love to talk about with people when they come on the show is uh, just kind of how your spiritual journey began. And, you know, magic is so present in your books. And I'm very curious what your relationship is like with spirituality and maybe if you were raised in a religious household and what your journey has been like with spirituality and magic. So wonderful question. And I'm not very articulate on the subject of spirituality at all. I feel like it is one of the topics that I understand and know deeply in myself, because there are many that I don't, but this is one of the few that I do, but one of the few that I know but can't articulate well, because mm -hmm. it's so ephemeral, it's so powerful. It's like saying, what is love? <laughs> what is magic? You know, it's just, there's, it's so big and mm. and uh numinous uh yes. that's the word I like to use so but I was raised Jewish uh background um we were very we're culturally Jewish um very not particularly religious in terms of you know keeping a, a household that way or, or or going to temple but uh, I my father really raised me more on mythology and poetry, both parents, than on Judaism. So there was a lot of magic. They didn't call it magic in my house necessarily, but there was a lot. He was a painter. My mom was a poet. Mm. Uh, there were flowers and candles everywhere. So it was there in my background. And I think I just started searching for something more definite as I was older to, you know, just to define it better. And I'm still searching, but what I connect to the most is this kind of earth magic. Uh, and that's something that has been in my books for a long time, even though I didn't necessarily understand it, it was just naturally part of it. So I'm now trying to explore it a little more consciously. Mm. I love what you said about how this is the one thing that's hard to define. And for a writer to say that, I think that's so <laughs> powerful. And I actually really do agree. I feel as though sometimes it's it's almost as though words don't really have a place in magic. And yeah. it, I mean, of course they do, but there's also just this uh, kind of reverence for this energy that it doesn't, it can't be confined. 
in in the language that we've been exactly. raised in. Exactly. So. <laughs> Perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why poetry, poetry does it better because poetry is its own language and it mm. is connected to that. I think that there's a way to touch emotion and spirit through image and sound mm. in a ab- slightly abstracted way that might be more effective or efficient than mm. just speaking. Yeah. Oh, I love poetry so much. And I feel like poetry has actually been a really great part of my magic practice. And maybe even before I knew it was a magic practice. Yeah. Uh, so I think also like poetry really is connected to the language of symbolism. And I think that magic so much is the language of symbolism and that we use, you know, a cup on the altar to represent the feminine, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious for you, how have you found magic weaving into your writing? Is it something that you practice consciously or does it just happen? (laughs) I think it's how I see the world. So when I write about the world, it comes through. And I think metaphor is magic. I have a seminar on this. Metaphor is magic because metaphor transforms one thing into something else by comparing mm-hmm. it in that way or describing it through that vision mm-hmm. and in the same way right magic is transformative so i think that just writing naturally in this figurative way it's it's kind of a spell it's kind of uh, comparable to a magical spell uh. Oh my gosh, I would love to take that seminar with you. That's amazing. You I will definitely invite <laughs> you to the next one. <laughs> Wonderful. I just read your book, The Thorn Necklace, and it was just absolutely mind-blowing how you were able to weave your story into this beautiful book that also teaches us, the reader, how to tell our own stories. Uh, So thank you so much for that. And also, I'm curious maybe if you'd like to talk about your book, Healing Through Writing, what called you to share your story um, and all that. Thank you. Yeah. So I, a few friends had suggested, I kind of, I didn't know what I was going to write next. And a few people said, write a memoir. And what I was almost more interested in doing is sharing my experience as a teacher over the last many years um, in a craft book, but a craft book would have been kind of short. So I tried to think of a way to combine them and I couldn't quite come up with it. So I focused on the memoir only and I started writing scenes that were important to me for my life. And then after I'd gotten a few of those out, I started categorizing them by principles of writing or shall I say things that helped me become a writer like finding a muse finding a mentor going into the dark shadow self all those things and then I arranged those experiences from my life according to those categories and then I sold this book to an editor who helped me integrate the craft things that I had really wanted to use. She kind of gave me permission to connect those things. And then I found a really organic way, I thought, ultimately of, of blending the two. So it start, it was just a combination of a lot of things. And I think it is a pretty handy craft book, pretty straightforward for anyone who's looking for that but then you know my personal experience is just to show that I have had a pretty challenging life in certain ways but for me writing has mostly been pretty fluid and flowing and positive so I tried to make the point that I can maybe teach you about writing and teach myself about how to live in a more fluid way at the same time. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is so incredible. And I really did feel that 
as writing was this current that was this ever-present force in your life and something that could hold you as you were navigating all the different, you know, challenges and triumphs and experiences and adventures. Um, And something I really loved about your book as well was you being so vulnerable and open and sharing about uh, love. That was like such a foundation for this book is your journey with love. Yeah, Yeah. still on it, (laughs) still searching and still trying to figure it out. But I don't give up easily. And it's all part of that Mm. learning. But it it has definitely been one of, if not the most challenging aspects of my life. So I can, I explore it in my writing, try to understand it in my writing, but in real life, it can be hard, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that so many of us can relate to that. And I think that that is the, the peak human experience is love. (laughs) And let me differentiate. I think for me, loving my children, my friends, my colleagues, my work, the world, you know, parts of the world. Um, trying to love more of parts of the world in, in this challenging world. But it's more the romantic love that's been the special challenge and mm. that I struggle with the most. So, mm. yeah. 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 Oh, there's so many directions I'm excited for this conversation to go in. But first, I did want to say I had some very crazy synchronicities happen while I was reading your book. Okay, so I have to share this with you. So there was part of maybe one of the later chapters, you mentioned selling your clothes and that ritual of releasing and clearing the house. And there was one part where you went to the Punch Bowl in Los Feliz and you got the Rita Hayworth. And I had just had that smoothie the day before. And I was just like, whoa, that is wild. (laughs) We chose the same drink. (laughs) I love that so much. Which is very refreshing. And also... Literally and figuratively. (laughs) (laughs) um, And also there was... uh, You mentioned you did a cord cutting ritual in your book. And I just finished uh, putting together a course on cord cutting for the the Sex Magic Society. So I was just like, oh my gosh, Francesca has done some of these these magical rites as well. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And drinking that smoothie is kind of a magical rite. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The Rita Hayworth in Los Feliz for sure is is a very spiritual Los Angeles uh, experience. (laughs) And that's actually something I'd love to talk about as well. Um, You know, Los Angeles is such a major player in all of your, I mean, maybe not all of your books, but a lot of your books. And I would love for you to share kind of your relationship with Los Angeles and why you think it's such a magical place. So I think growing up in the San Fernando Valley, I would go into Hollywood over Laurel Canyon. And there would, because there was this big separation between those worlds for me and Hollywood at the time in the early 80s was this, you know, full of the, the kind of emerging punk scene, the, and the art punk and the new wave and Melrose, you know, artists and um, just this sort of, and a kind of also darkness with the with some of the really hardcore punk and then poetry at Beyond Baroque and then of course the ocean and the mountains and the canyons, the nature aspect of Los Angeles and old Hollywood, you know, is a big thing. My dad had been a writer and um, did special effects in a lot of movies in the 50s. So there was there was all that anyway, but that I just saw it. I think I saw it more because it was slightly separated from where I grew up, just by this little drive over the canyon. Mm. It made it feel more special. Although I see some strange magic in the valleys too, and mm-hmm. uh, some of my awareness about magic in Los Angeles became stronger when I moved away. When I was living in Berkeley, for example, I saw it even more. I think getting distance from it. Uh, but I think this is a very strange place. You know, it's it's this mix of all these different uh, landscapes. As I said, the ocean, the mountains, desert, a yeah. lot of magic from the desert. And that's mm. a whole, I explored that later in my life, but powerful. 
Um, and this sort of ghosts of Hollywood and the youth culture and the growing arts culture now. So I just think it's a really rich place, but I also believe that anywhere you live can feel that way if you see it with an awareness mm. of with searching for those things, because I do think they're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I just think some places are, it's more in your face perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and there are things about LA I don't love, and those provide a really interesting contrast that makes the magical things even more precious. I think if we were, I were in a perfectly beautiful place like, you know, Greece, when I traveled there when I was 10 years old, where it was just living magic everywhere at that time, especially, mm. um, the contrast wasn't there as much then. Mm-hmm. So I think it had that that didn't have quite. I mean, it had incredible impact, but it was a little different. Mm. I cut that whole thing. Absolutely, I think that's so true, and and that balance or the juxtaposition. I don't know if it's balance, just the juxtaposition of yeah. the darkness and the light of Los Angeles is. I think it adds to the allure as well. Definitely, well said. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though. So many of the people we've had on the podcast live in Los Angeles and I'm just like, wow, there are so many witches here. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're drawn to, right. There's something, maybe there's something in the earth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. There's some magnetism happening. <laughs> So the thorn it's necklace. The purple tree. Sorry to interrupt. It's the purple trees. <gasps> the jacarandas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those trees. Yeah. <laughs> so in the thorn necklace, you you also focus on using writing as a tool for healing. And I know that so many of our listeners probably are curious about how to start that practice. And so I was wondering if maybe you could share a little bit about that and where to begin. So it's, it's so I'm trying to distill it because it's all in the book really clearly, but to give you sort of the short version of that, I would say one thing is just to write a lot, write as much as you can, because there is a kind of magic that happens. I know I'll be working on a project and it doesn't feel alive and it doesn't feel like it matters. And I'm just doing it because I think I should. And then all of a sudden something shifts and a story emerges. And then the story almost writes itself as a draft, which then I have to revise many times. But there is this kind of powerful momentum. So just sitting there and getting it down in a rough form is the best thing you can do. Then another thing is to fill yourself with rich experience and reading a lot and getting inspired. And that has its own healing power because it makes you see the world a different way. And finding community to, which is what you're doing with your podcasts and your teachings, you know, bringing people together with common interests because doing this alone can be scary sometimes if you're going deep and painful even. So all those things, having support uh, as you go deep, I'll stop there, but those are some ways. And I do think that like magic, you can heal painful, traumatic things through writing mm. by close observation and understanding and connection to others. In this case, your community that supports you as you write it, and then your community that reads it. Mm. Yeah, that's, that is definitely a wonderful place to begin. And for everyone listening, if you have not read The Thorn Necklace, please, please do. It is just very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Which also, I guess that's another fun conversation. Just, um, you know, when I said the word inspire, it brought me back into something I love to do 
in regards to magic, which is etymology and the actual breaking down of words and word magic as well. (laughs) So to be inspired, you know, if we go to the root of those words, it's, it's actually like about the spirit. So, I mean, I'm a writer as well. I write mostly screenplays, so a little bit different. Um, Mm -hmm. In that form, you're trying to use as little words as possible. (laughs) But I also write poetry. And I think like words really hold so much power when we're doing magic and even in our day-to-day lives because the words that we speak do help form and create our realities. So I would love to just chat with you about your thoughts on that and word magic and casting spells with our actual words. I think one thing I do a lot with that in my books, and I didn't do it consciously in the past was naming. I think finding someone's true name Mm. is there's great power in that. And so with my characters, I would often the names just come to me in their pure form and I know they're right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the name comes first and then the character, but sometimes I don't have the name right. And until I get the name right, the story won't form. Mm. It's almost like in a fairy tale where, you know, you have to get the name correct in order to go to the next step of the story. So there's that. And then um, I have recently been due I there was a period in late August and September that my astrology astrologer Mickey Pellerano is really wonderful I think I've told you about him yes, or you knew about yeah him, right? I need to check them out <laughs> yeah he is really wonderful so wise and interesting and he said this is this period where Venus is going to be in her best position for a very long time and has she hasn't been in such a good position for a very long time so you should do this venus spell work so i started do i did i was and i was so happy during these few weeks <laughs> because i was getting up at dawn i was doing these little dances in my garden i was writing <laughs> love letters to venus i was leaving them around my garden <laughs> in little like spots little altar spots I made this altar with the roses and the fruit and the rose I gathered all the rose quartz in the house (laughs) you know I just like I would you know fairy stuff Botticelli I have a Botticelli Venus uh, tray you know that I had candles and I and I made a sigil and a charm and I was it it just was like indulging all my greatest pleasures mm-hmm. you know and, and mm-hmm. full on not feeling like oh is this I don't know I just committed to it really and it was great and fun and and I certainly used words a lot and he talks about sort of an elevated language and the language that was coming out in her, my letters to her was very kind of elevated and poetic so wow. I don't know if that's, and since then some like really interesting things have happened. I don't quite know yet. I can't fully, you know, but there it's been really, something happened. And I will tell you this afterwards, I did the big main one because he gave us a specific time and day. Mm. I was so exhausted. Do you have this experience ever after it? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, you're just moving so much energy. Of course, yeah. you're wiped out. <laughs> it was just completely deep exhaustion. So I'm seeing some really interesting things happen now. I'll report back to you when I... <laughs> Ooh, yes, please. Let us know. So wait, when was this? Was this this past August? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So like, recent. About six weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it was just and then now we're in this whole Mercury crazy retrograde planet. Yes, yes. Thing. But I somehow felt like I was guided, mm. or not guided necessarily, but like protected or held. Yeah, from the work I did in this Venus time mm. through this more chaotic time. Mm-hmm. Somehow, mm-hmm. but my fingernails grew really long. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> And my fingernails have not grown long. I mean, for decades. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) Venus was like, Francesca needs a new manicure. (laughs) 
That is so beautiful. (laughs) Wow, I need to talk to Venus about my nails. (laughs) I mean, literally 30, like, I want to say like 30 years. They haven't been like, or maybe 20 when I had my kids, but yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that's just like such a beautiful practice to have like a container of time in which you're working with a specific deity and you have all these beautiful rituals to guide you and support you. And I love that you found words coming through in such a powerful way and uh, love letters to Venus. It was so fun. And I, was like, I get to do this, you know, it somehow, like I said, gave me permission. Mm. Things I did when I was 10 or no, like five to 10, like really little, you know, yeah. I did that kind of stuff all the time. <laughs> I'm like a weird kid, but I was, you know, in my little world. And so yeah. I like, oh, I get to do that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder like, why do we ever leave our little worlds? You know, like how can we, how can we stay in that beautiful, protected, magical place? Even if we have to continue existing in this world, of course we do have to partake, but yeah. how can we also nurture that maybe that's what this this practice some of these magical practices are about because it it makes you slow down and focus on those wonderful things that you love instead of you know just tearing around in the world I think being home all this time the lockdown you know as as painful as it's been in so many ways this period but it's also given people some time and focus to look at their environments and you know, their inner selves as, you know, we yeah. all talk about now. Yeah. So absolutely permission to be present with yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not an easy thing to do. I know so many people have struggled and even in outside of this, this time period, I think that that's a really hard thing to practice is, is really like sitting with ourselves, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it, it has. And I would say, because I'm an introvert, so I thought oh, it won't be that hard for me. And it really wasn't for months and months. But then there was a point where I was like, I just need to be around people so badly. Yeah. I so badly. And I felt very extrovert and social when I went out because I'm just like, please <laughs> talk to me. Yeah, all this energy. I'm just like, hello, yeah. tell me everything about your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yes, and I've been going to this... Uh, ecstatic dancing I used to go to it years and years ago and I stopped completely for various reasons but I went back we're all masked now but it is so beautiful uh it's the LA Dance Collective it is so incredible and the woman Georgian uh who leads it does makes altars and plays Mm. this gorgeous music and talks about these different spiritual topics and anyway it's been really great oh wow that That sounds amazing also very venusian (laughs) yeah completely yes (laughs) Mm, yeah i love that oh so powerful so something else that i wanted to kind of discuss with you which is very present in in my life i guess is exploring personas and identity through writing Uh, I think that the podcast people who tune in and everyone in my life knows that I have two personas or I have, you know, two names that I go by. And one of them was a name I gave myself nearly 10 years ago. And it's been an identity I've explored. Um, But something I read in your memoir that I found so relatable was that, you know, oftentimes the characters you write and specifically Wheatsy of the Wheatsy Bat book was, a persona of your own psyche that you sought to explore. And so yes. I'm curious, maybe if we could talk about that and, and dig into it. Yeah. So I have an exercise I do with my students where I have us write down traits, personality traits that you have, right? And then without thinking, assign a name, um, a gender identity, a, an age, and perhaps a profession or interests and you can go on and on a description of what they look like Mm -hmm. and there you have 10 characters ready made to write a story about and Mm -hmm. you can write about them well because they come from a part of you and it's like in Jungian dream theory that 
in the dream, all the parts of the dream are us, right? Same thing, all the parts of all the characters in the book, they are us. So mm-hmm. it's just a way to define it. And it's really fun. And I think I have all these selves that I would like to explore, or express. And the way I do it is through writing fiction. Um, they're all kind of me. And some of them are also very different. But I, you know, the protagonists, at least. And so that's been a way I've, I've just played around with it. And I love that in this world where we are, uh, as this world is changing, there's much more acceptance, especially with younger generations, mm-hmm. about the idea that we have these different identities, especially gender identity, right? Yes. That, that it's okay, that it's part of life, and that it's it can be a really beautiful, positive thing because our culture is just so restrictive and yeah. and almost sick about about you know not defining or about forcing people to define themselves in that way. And I think that's changing. Yeah. Yeah. I am very grateful that I live in in this time in which these conversations yeah. are happening more and there's more permission for exploration of sexuality and gender identity. And I love, I love what you said about how it is similar to the Jungian dream analysis in that all these characters that you write in your novel, similar to the dream, are are you? Right. Never, yeah. I've I've heard of this, the dream analysis in this way, but I never thought about the novel, the mm-hmm. characters in that way. And that's just wow. so incredible. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a really fun thing to try. And, Have yeah. you ever found that after writing or during writing that your characters change you? Oh, that's a great question. I think the books make me more aware of what I need to learn. Mm-hmm. It's like my psyche wants to write the book and I don't know why. And I get to the end of the book and I revise the book enough times and then I go, oh, I was supposed to learn that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I don't know if it's the characters per se alone, but it's definitely the stories. And and I would say, like, I will say that Weetsy Bat has profoundly changed my life because mm-hmm. not necessarily, I mean, I think her journey about love over fear was, was a good reminder for me and mm-hmm. is a good reminder for me. But mostly it's that she's brought all these amazing people. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I had <laughs> that book when I was 24. And, you know, it, yeah. it's like, it just opened this door where I could write other books and I, I could meet people and, yes. and have all these wonderful connections. So I think that that has changed my life. Mm, and I'm very yeah. grateful to her. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I don't know if you created this, but I feel as though you were the first one to give this identity maybe a form in the form of Wheatsy Bat. I think with Wheatsy Bat, it was this alternative, magical persona that was maybe not necessarily someone a reader would relate to directly, but parts of ourselves felt something like a a thread of connection of like, oh my gosh, I'm like this too, or something in that way. And it was almost like this, this beacon of light where it was like, hello, if you're also like a very creative, magical weirdo, like, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My books are for creative, magical weirdos. Those are my favorite people. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I think I actually found your, your work initially on Tumblr. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, there was a quote I read on Tumblr that was one of your quotes from, I believe, How to Uncage a Girl. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And it's one that was very popular on Tumblr. <laughs> I think it was, um, when you choose to believe in your own myth, your own glamour, your own magic, then you have everything. Something along those lines. Yes. Do, you, do you know, remember? <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Oh, I can't quote it exactly. Yeah. A girl, but also a woman who chooses to believe in her own myth, her own glamour. Uh, 
has everything. Like something like that. It's pretty yeah, close. Yeah. I'll add it to the show notes if, if anyone's uh-huh. listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So right. it's just very, very beautiful. And I think that more people should share their stories and it's very important for our psyche and for our collective, for our communities, for us to share our stories with each other and to to listen to each other's stories, whether that be through the written word or whether it's uh, expressed verbally or even told through artistic expression. There's a core part of the human spirit that needs this uh, divine artistic expression. Absolutely. Beautifully said. And I would say also that, you know, we started telling stories in prehistoric times as a way to help the human race survive. Yeah. Because if you're getting chased down by dinosaurs, you know, you better learn how to save yourself and your (laughs) community. If you're starving, you know what, you know, you have to learn these. So telling stories is direct correlation between telling stories and survival. And to this day, we're, it's the same thing. And it's neurological. They've done studies of like how it helped this, the brain, you know, mm-hmm. by expressing thoughts and feelings. Therapy is how therapy works, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really believe that to tell our stories is healing. It's healing for us because we're getting it out of our bodies and it's healing for other people because they're hearing it. And then it's healing back to us because we see that it's helped someone else. Mm. So it's a wonderful cycle of healing. And it's it's just, and in these times, a lot of my students will, and myself included will question our the importance of our story because there are mm. so many voices that have been silenced that are getting a little bit of time and space to tell their story. So we want to support and lift that. And that's mm. the primary goal right now uh, culturally I believe yeah at the same time yes to continue to tell our own stories as well for just for our own personal healing and growth and maybe our small communities it it, it's just as important it's just at the same time we want to be lifting up these more silenced voices often as women too we're, we're it's somewhat more silenced although you know, as white women, it's, it's a different situation, but I think, you know, but I do think we want to bring up these other voices, but not, not silence our own at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's a really important thing to have a conversation about for sure. And it's hard. Yeah. And I enjoy, I mean, in some ways, because I just want it all to be better. I just want everyone to, you know, I want, everyone to be equal and everyone to be heard. And yeah. And I think like, you know, you can be a champion without being a martyr. And I think it's important not to, to put ourselves down for the sake of anyone in that, like, actually we all need to continue to be our most expressive, creative, proud, magical, because that continues to support everyone in in my belief. Absolutely. I agree. That's wonderful. Yeah. But, um, okay. So hello, we are the sex magic podcast. (laughs) Another thing in your books that I love is sexuality. So, um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that maybe in your writing and if you explore that part of yourself in your writing and, um, even if you feel comfortable sharing your own, you know, sexual journey um maybe even if you have a sex magic practice or just have ever done anything sex magic related um yeah yeah so so i i was raised in a pretty um permissive environment around sexuality not shaming or which was great um, sometimes almost too permissive. Like I was, I, my parents were like, Oh, it's fine. You're 16, 20 year old boyfriend, go have fun. Here's, you know, diaphragm. It's like, what, <laughs> you know, in the set in the seventies, but hippie, bohemian, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. um, but good and bad, right. Came with that in any case. So that's always been something comfortable for me, something easy for me to write about, talk about. Um, I, you know, being published, um, 
for a younger audience. At first, when I didn't intend to, there were some times early on where I had to leave certain things or, or tone things down slightly. But then in other books, I, I like in Nymph, for example, which is the erotic short stories, I went for it entirely, which was really <laughs> fun and freeing. But I use more and more of that in my current writing. I really mm-hmm. like for adults and I really like to do that. Um, I just think it's so much a part of life and love and experience and sensuality and to not have it in the story, just like leaving out, it's like leaving out magic. I mean, it's just mm. part of life. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and they're very related, like you say, sex, magic and all. Um, so that's that. And then I just recently tried the chaos magic for the first Ooh. time. Ooh. And <laughs> It was powerful and it was something that I feel like I have a lot more learning to do. Mm. So I wouldn't mind a partner to that. <laughs> but but I know that's not the point. Um maybe the learning has to do is is the the uh solitary experience more mm. fully. Um but anyway, so that was really interesting. And like I say, I'm just beginning to explore that. And um certainly with the Venus stuff, it was it was felt connected to that a lot Mm. Uh, and in my own personal experience I mean there's some of some of it in the thorn necklace um, and some of it in the fiction it's an ongoing journey kind of like the same as the quest for love Mm. that I talked about earlier Um, an ongoing journey an ongoing search yeah And and similar to your earth magic, it's cyclical yes. seasons. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like uh writing is such a safe place to explore our sexuality. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you or any of our listeners, but literatica.com was definitely the place way before I felt comfortable exploring like, you know, adult films. Um, yes. Just because, you know, allowing our imagination to to be free. And um, it's also, I feel like when you're, you know, exploring something that's maybe different or new, it's safer when it's something that you get to create and have more authority over in your own mind. But I also think that writing gives us permission to explore, you know, the darker parts of our psyche, which I think includes the sexual desire and um, taboo, all of that. Absolutely. And one exercise I use is to write about one's obsessions because Mm. if I, I'll start, like I'll start my more traditional classes like UCLA extension, for example, you know, with a bunch of exercises and people are kind of semi-engaged, but a little wary and a little like some of them are like, I don't know if I'm really going to continue in the class. I can yeah. see in their face. <laughs> and then I said, I want you to write in the chat or I'll write on the board and in the olden days, um, you know, <laughs> what are your questions? And um, I'll say, really tell me what you Like if you didn't have to worry about anyone else being interested, what would you write about and be really specific? And Mm. of course, in a class like that, they're not going to say their most intimate things. But as we get to know each other more in my some of my other classes, we we do. And it immediately energizes everyone in the room and it immediately energizes the writing. And that's how I, I write. I try to write my books, which is what I'm thinking about obsessively at the time and just lean into that and not worry if anyone else finds it interesting because if I find it or if the writer finds it profoundly interesting Mm -hmm. there will be energy enough that the reader will start becoming curious and and interested and engaged so I think that deep desire passion has to be Mm -hmm. there in order to make the writing come alive and it's a simple way to do it you just look inside you know, what, what's, what's burning to be expressed and what am I thinking about Mm. all the time in the back of my mind and let that out and your work becomes alive. Wow. That is so incredible. That is alchemy right there for sure. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yes, I think so. 
Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it really is interesting, like the connection between something that we feel like obsession, passion, and how that really like helps us tap into our erotic energy. And I think that the erotic is so deeply connected to the creative and in its pure form. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, I can't believe we're we're getting close to the end of this conversation. It's gone by so fast. So fast. It's all <laughs> um, my favorite topics. <laughs> so we definitely have a final question we ask everyone. Yeah. Uh, before we go there, I was wondering uh, maybe if you want to share kind of like what you're currently working on, how people can stay in contact with you, maybe some of your amazing courses. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. So I'm uh, everything's on my website, including my socials and all that. So francescaleablock.com and also the seminars that I teach are, are on there. There's uh, one on tarot card and structure, one on the Gothic, writing Gothic fiction, fairy tales, which I think was the one you were at. Yes, right? yes. yes. <laughs> uh, and then a healing through writing one and then also some longer courses. So all that's there. Um, I am currently waiting to publish my, I'm just editing my new novel called House of Hearts that I'm really excited about. It took me many years to write. That's why I haven't published for a while. I've been working on this um, and rewriting it a lot. And it's about a young woman from the Salton Sea who's searching for her missing lover in the desert and gets involved in a cult out in the desert called House of Hearts and some very dark, mysterious, sexual, and mad things happen. Um, so it's wow. coming soon, and I oh can't my wait. Gosh, I it. can't wait. So, <laughs> so um, I will let you know about it. Remind me um, to get you a copy. Uh, so there's there's that, and then I after I finished it and sold it, I just and even before I sold it, after I finished it, I was just like, I can't. I'm empty. I have nothing else to say. I've written so many stories about parts of my life. What do I have left? You know, and then I decided I would um, write about my current experience and I started and nothing was clicking. And then all of a sudden I, I, as I talked about at the beginning, I had been writing all this stuff, not really understanding what I was doing and something snapped and clicked Mm -hmm. in my head. And then I just, now my story has shape and I'm really excited about it. And that one is called L-U-V bracket S-I-C. So love sick. Also mm. referring to S-I-C, the uh, term when something is misspelled, right? In um, Oh, born. yeah. So it's love sick. So it's about um, a woman in her 50s during the pandemic, dating, teaching grammar and her very mysterious relationship with her best friend. Ooh. (laughs) That is exciting. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to read. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. And we will definitely include all the links to all of your um, socials and website in the show notes as well. So the final question that we ask everyone if you could give your younger self one piece of advice about love, sex, magic, what would it be? Wow. I think it's to, so I have to, it might be a little convoluted. As a child, I think we were talking about this earlier. I think I was very in touch with fairies and witches and nature and flowers and poetry, uh, you know, and dolls and symbolism, you know, these things, myths. And I stayed in touch with some of that through my writing my whole life. But I placed it carefully in the container of my writing. And what I would say to my younger self is how can you live your life engaged in that play that you had as a child continually through your life? 
Mm. instead of, I was lucky because I preserved it in my writing, Mm. but it was very separate from my everyday life as I got older and how to, you know, I was doing those rituals in the backyard. I mean, I was making like mud (laughs) concoctions with flowers and feeding the fairies and there were like butterflies, you know, it was just complete magic all the time. So how would I continue? How And so I'm getting back to that now, but it's mm. taken me many years, you know, to kind of find that. So that's maybe what I would say. Mm. So beautiful. Mm, so relatable as well. Thank you. I needed to hear it too. <laughs> oh, well, Fantastic. you seem very such. You just radiate it all. So. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, Thank you so much, Francesca, for joining us today. It really was such an honor to have you on the show and, uh, this is our last season of the podcast. So it's just like amazing that we were able to have you join us for the final season. So thank oh, you. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you so much. It's yes. beautiful to talk to you. <laughs> the Sex Magic Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a collective, a community, a conversation. If what we do here resonates with you, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon. But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits, such as live Q&As where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality, along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight, and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path. So if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the Sex Magic Podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon We have the link down in the show notes, but you can also go on patreon.com slash sexmagicpodcast.